I just want to say that you have got to be the most insipid, ridiculously idiotic, moronic person I've ever heard on any form of media. Exiled by society, friends, lovers, and terrestrial radio. A guy with literally nothing left to lose. For 15 years, he's been telling it like it is. This is the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. So much random stuff that collects here that I still haven't gotten into after doing a couple of these shows. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, man, you know, I, I, I've i done probably, what, three hours of podcast in the last couple of days. And maybe I'm going to run out of material or I'm going to not have nearly as much to talk about. But then I remembered that we're living in an insane asylum that is planet Earth. And so there's always fresh new material to get into. Plus, there's just so much stuff. It's the random things that uh, build up. I wish I was a little bit more structured with this. I just come on the air and talk. I I don't know. I'm one of those people I just like to speak extemporaneously. Sometimes, maybe the show sounds a little bit disorganized as a result. I have a lot of topics. I have a lot of things that I want to cover. And normally, I get to them. And sometimes... It's like the show goes a little long and I'm just like, you know, all right, we'll we'll hold this over. And sometimes we still haven't gotten to it. So I have lots of stuff I want to get into. But first of all, before I go anywhere, welcome in. Hi, it's uh, the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on Tuesday, October the 13th, 2015. Contact information for the program Groffshow at gmail.com. That is groffshow at gmail.com. That's also our PayPal address for your generous contributions to this broadcast. Groffshow at gmail.com on PayPal. Uh, in addition, Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else that has been, is, and will forever be Michael Groff related, you can go to michaelgroff.com. All right. A couple of things. First of all, uh, some people wrote in on email and uh, sent messages and, and all this about uh, the show. And a lot of people have very nice things to say. And there's also people that want to correct me on stuff. And that's totally fine because when you do this kind of show and you speak extemporaneously as I do and you get lost in thought, hey, and and you're just a dumbass like I am, you will often say stuff that is inaccurate, wrong, you'll just screw up, you'll blunder, whatever. Unlike a lot of radio shows, I don't go back and, you know, other shows, they don't go back and, and correct things. I do. Uh, I just want to make it known. So, first of all, it was pointed out by a couple of people that um, uh, one person says, Mike, uh, just so you know, you were talking about marijuana being legal, legalized completely in two states and medical marijuana being available in others. It's actually legal in three states. Uh, Oregon, just a few days ago, uh, just last week, uh, legalized or the the law went into effect whereby marijuana is legal. And that, you know, I didn't realize that. I thought that uh, it wasn't until later this year that Oregon uh, joined in uh, with Washington and Colorado as uh, being states where marijuana was legal. So that's my bad. Uh, in keeping with that, I I ran across this today. I just thought I'd point this out since we're on the topic already anyway. That retailers have already sold more than $11 million of marijuana during Oregon's first week of legal recreational sales. That's just... <laughs> that tells you... Man, people just really want to smoke their weed. This is outpacing the early business done in other states that have legalized marijuana. And Oregon retailers had sales of $3.5 million by the end of opening day. More than three and a half million bucks of pot was sold day one. That according to Casey Houlihan, who is the executive director of the association, uh, 
some, I don't know, some, oh, the, this is the Oregon Retailers of Cannabis Association. So they're expecting another 5 million in sales in the upcoming week. Sales during the first month in Washington state when they legalized uh, marijuana were 2 million bucks. Under the state law approved by Oregon voters last year, possession of marijuana in limited quantities has been uh, permitted since July 1st, but there was no legal way to buy it until October 1st. See, I was I was confused on that, on that detail. I thought it was October 1st and they weren't going to get it up until like December or something. So who knows? Uh, anyway, they uh, already, of course, had medical marijuana legalized. But uh, one reason Oregon posted stronger early sales was the existing medical marijuana infrastructure, which had more than 250 medical marijuana dispensaries in Oregon were set up all across the state. And now they sell to recreational customers. By contrast, Colorado had 24 stores on day one. Washington had just four. And a year later, still, both of those states have fewer stores than Oregon. So, and they've Got quite a jump on uh, that bandwagon. So, yeah, that's big news, and that's in Oregon. So now three states have gotten in on legal marijuana. Now I know people are going to say, well, it's still against federal law. And, you know, uh, there are certain candidates on the Republican side that say that they'll go back to enforcing federal law. Anybody that says that, yeah, you better not want to vote for them. So there's one correction. Another correction that came in, uh, we were talking about the mass shootings and the hysteria and we went over all the you know recent mass shootings of Fort Hood and Aurora, Colorado. And I, I, I guess I screwed up. I said Middletown, Connecticut when I meant Newtown, Connecticut. So uh, there's that. Um, someone else points out that I, I frequently just use a random first name for... Um, <laughs> for Democratic candidate uh, O'Malley. I sometimes call him Dan. I sometimes call him Tom. <laughs> so that's actually more of an inside joke. That is a, an intentional thing. I know it's Martin O'Malley, but I uh, long ago I made a joke about anybody that's running against Hillary Clinton might as well, you don't even need to know their name because it's not like they're going to win anyway. This was, I had said this in 2012, 2013, because I figured that she was going to run. And I just, I've always maintained that it does, you don't need to know the names of any other candidate that's running. So yes, I know it's Martin O'Malley. I know he's participating in the Democratic uh, debate tonight. And that's a big deal, by the way. That's tonight. Um, but, and I never would have foreseen Bernie Sanders kind of coming out of nowhere to overtake Hillary Clinton in terms of popularity. And by the way, uh, he has done just that. He has taken over Hillary Clinton. She has the name recognition. He has the momentum. O'Malley and uh, anybody else, Grandpa Joe, if he decides to run, which I don't think he's going to. I think he sees what's happening now. I would have to believe that Joe Biden is just not interested in this process. Not to mention the Democrats have pretty much set this up for Hillary to win or they have done their best to try and set it up for Hillary to win because uh, they don't, unlike the Republicans who want to have debates all the time uh, the Democrats don't want debates and the reason is because a lot of top Democratic uh, officials are interested in just Hillary Clinton winning and they know that the more debates that are up uh, the worse that Hillary Clinton's likely to look because well, her opponents will expose her for the fraud that she is and uh, there will be a lot of cannibalism going on within the democratic debates uh, over the uh, upcoming weeks and the more debates there are the worse Hillary looks because she already has a huge unfavorability rating people do not like her they don't trust her and this isn't just republicans that are these are democrats that are surveyed and you know even her support among women which was once thought to be incredibly strong has dwindled significantly. Women now don't trust her, and even women have a high unfavorability rating with Hillary Clinton because they just think that, uh, well, they think she's a, a giant C-word. That's, ba that's basically 
what, uh, yeah, they, uh, when asked what they thought of Hillary Clinton, most women responded with, see you next time. All right. So that's uh, the big debate. We'll probably talk about it uh, coming up here in the in the next few days. We'll break down how that goes. I'm pretty sure that Bernie Sanders is just going to have that place stocked with supporters. And uh, But you never know. Politics can be pretty dirty. Oh, before I go anywhere else, I want to also mention, speaking of dirty politics, I saw this while prepping for the show. So Donald Trump was, uh, he had some event going a couple of days ago and there was a woman who asked him some pretty tough questions about what he thought about women and whether or not a woman under his administration would be able to make as much money as a man and if she would be able to have a say over what she does with her body and Trump responded and he said that he cherishes and admires and respects and adores and all these other adjectives toward women and you know he's he's repeatedly wants us to know that he loves women. Then he also said that a woman would in fact make as much money that he, well, his record stands for itself and that a woman would make as much money as a man if she did the job just as well as a man. And then he responded by saying that um, he has always been pro-life, which of course is not actually true, but he says that he's pro-life now. And that's how he responded to this woman. Now it turns out that this woman that asked him these questions was actually a Jeb Bush staffer, someone that works in the Jeb Bush campaign that was a plant in there and somehow got uh, some questions in. Now, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Uh, I The other day, I sat here and thought very, very carefully that Jeb Bush was actually a pretty decent guy. I, I was like, well, you know, Jeb Bush seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, I'd never vote for him, but he seems like an all right guy. Yeah, delete that take. Uh, go back and just uh, 86 that thought because he's, it turns out he's just as slimy as the rest of them. Slip. I'm sure he'll, you know, people will say, he had nothing to do with it. That was probably somebody else in his campaign. Um, I'm pretty sure that Jeb Bush was well aware of what happened. Well aware that one of his staffers got into a Trump event and kind of did their best to sabotage it. And by the way, this person that did this, uh, her LinkedIn is posted, her Facebook page is posted, everything about her is now known, and she is, in fact, a Jeb Bush staffer. So that's the dirty games of politics, even 13 months out from the election. So that's, I think, uh, man... Even Jeb getting down in the mud. Incredible. I mean, any, you have to do anything you can at this point because Trump just has such a, an insurmountable lead. Well, I don't know if I'd say insurmountable, but it's definitely a massive lead, especially over a guy like Jeb Bush, who's, what, a distant fourth in that competition, fourth or fifth? So depending on which poll you look at. So Jeb is not doing very well, and you have to do everything you can to try and get an edge. A couple other thoughts. Ben Carson, he made a big speech over the weekend, too. And he wants everyone to know that he's big into God and all this. And it's it's becoming very clear that Ben Carson is not the smart guy that I really thought he was. Yeah, he's a neurosurgeon. And yeah, he's certainly done. He He's cut a lot more Siamese twins free than I ever will. And he has done a lot more neurosurgeries, a lot more heart surgeries, a lot more just medical stuff than most of us will ever do. And he's been a lot more accomplished in his field than a lot of us ever will be. But over the weekend, he gave this uh, speech and he wanted everyone to know that the United States is a Christian nation. We were founded as a Christian nation because Documents such as the Pledge of Allegiance proves that we're a Christian nation and the, the words in God we trust and the fact that we there are many references to God in our four, from our forefathers, that shows that we are in fact a Christian nation. I don't know what he's trying to imply with that. I guess that just means that since we're a Christian nation, uh, we should you know continue these so-called Christian values. Um, he's one of these seventh day evangelists or whatever. He's one of these seventh day dudes. 
I don't know this crap, okay? I, I really don't. I'm I'm the perpetual agnostic, so I don't know anything. I don't know the difference between seven-day Adventist, event, whatever. I don't know the difference between that and a Pentecostal and a Methodist and a Lutheran. And I know, I, I don't know the difference between all of it. They all believe in God. They just believe in different ways that you get there and different kinds of... I, I don't, I honestly, and I plead complete ignorance on this. I don't know the difference. It just all sounds like nonsense to me. And it's all stuff that I don't care about in a candidate. And the more I hear a candidate talk about it, the less interested I am in them. Like, I really don't care what flavor of Sky Wizard you're into. I'm not interested in hearing about it. Uh, okay, I've gotten the point. You're religious. Cool, dude. Can we talk about how we're going to fix the economy? What are you going to do about unemployment? What are you going to do about taxes? What are you going to do about uh, these foreign wars? What are you going to do about all this other stuff? That's what I want to hear about. Tell me how you're going to fix stuff, not how you pray to the invisible man in the sky. Okay, that's what, I, that's what most people are. Well, I shouldn't say most people are interested in that because apparently people were glued to this speech. It's right. I mean, I have all 38 minutes of it right here. If you want, we can just sit back and we'll just roll this out. I'll just drink some coffee, which is the only way I'll be able to stay awake through it. Ben Carson really does seem like a nice guy. And he does have a, a pretty good following right now because he's an outsider. He's a non-political guy who has given up a comfortable lifestyle to run for office. And good for him. And part of me admires that. But I just can't. The more the guy talks, the less I like. When a guy says he doesn't believe in evolution, when a guy is a part of this religion, that, and I don't know if he personally believes this part, but when people think that the earth was created 6,000 years ago, I just can't take that person seriously for office. I had the same conversation with my brother the other night. I, I just said, I, I can't vote for any of these guys that think that the earth is 6,000 years old. I... I really can't do that. I'm sorry. I, If you believe in God, that's all right. That's cool. I have no problem with that part. It's the part where you tell me on and on about it and you're, you speak to God to make your decisions. And you ever notice how these guys that speak to God, you ever notice how God always tells them what they want to hear? Exactly what they should do. Like It, it never is different from how they were going to act anyway. It's never contrary. God doesn't go, you know, you know, Ben, I don't think you should run for office. Ben, I think you should probably just stay home. Never goes that way. What else have we got? Okay, and now uh, the dumbass of the week goes to the fine folks at Playboy magazine. Playboy is launching a new and exciting business model. For those of you that have always said that you only read Playboy for the articles and people would just kind of smile and nod at you. Well, I guess now you really will only be reading Playboy for the articles because the magazine has announced that they are no longer going to put nude women in the magazine. Brilliant decision. <laughs> what a great decision. Playboy, this is, this is the, uh, the story right here. The iconic publication featuring new models launched in 1953, will no longer publish images of naked women in its magazines. Uh, editor Corey Jones said that the redesigned magazine will be unveiled next March. Female models will still be shown in provocative poses, but will no longer be fully nude. A change that CEO Scott Flanders said is driven partly by the internet. Quote, you're now one click away from every sec sex act imaginable for free. So, it's just passe at this juncture. The publication's website, uh, see, playboy.com, I guess, went, um, they went away from nudity in August of 2014. <clears throat> and they say they saw an increase of over 4 million unique visitors a month to over 16 million users after they got rid of the nudes on the website. I I find that hard to believe, but I guess if that's what they say, I, I'm sure you could go and look at the analytics and find out for yourself. But anyway, Playboy's print circulation has declined in recent years. 
dropping from 5.6 million in 1975 to about 800,000 now. I, I I'm surprised it's even 800,000. Do you do you know anyone? And be honest, do you know anybody, even a friend of a friend, that gets Playboy magazine? Over its uh, history, Playboy has had a lot of celebrities take their clothes off, including Madonna, Sharon Stone, Marilyn Monroe. They've all graced the pages of the magazine. They also published stories from world leaders, including former President, uh, President Jimmy Carter, Martin Luther King Jr., and Malcolm X. So yes, there were really were articles to read in Playboy. And now, now you're only going to be reading it for the articles because... I mean, at this point, women standing in provocative poses. There's like every single magazine. Hell, Cosmopolitan has that. Cosmo's got women in provocative poses. And probably more dirty stuff in it than Playboy at this point. I'm pretty sure I'll just go to my dentist office here pretty soon and I'll see Playboy sitting out there. I mean, why not? It's become a clean magazine. Then again, my dentist is a pretty cool guy. He's he's a weird guy. He's a cool guy. I love him to death. Uh, He has sitting out in the lobby in the waiting room he has the darwin awards book so it's a book of ways that stupid ways that people have killed themselves over the last year or 10 years or whatever i think it's the best of the darwin awards uh over the last decade and it's just a huge book of ways people have done themselves in in the most stupid manner possible and he's got that book sitting out there among a bunch of other weird sort of stuff. He's kind of that guy. Yeah, he might have a People magazine there too, but I'll have to ask him about it. I actually have an appointment with my dentist next week going in for a cleaning. So I'm going to going to go and ask him. I'll just be like, hey, uh, you going to put the new Playboy magazine in here? I mean, you could just read it for the articles. I <laughs> His response, I, I eagerly await that. So um, why not? In any event... There you go. Dumbass business decision of the week. Maybe the year. Maybe ever. Way to ruin a piece of Americana there, guys. That's that's great. By the way, Hugh Hefner does still oversee some of the operations of the magazine, even though he's 89 years old. Um, even though he just lies in bed and has women uh, all over him all day, all night. Which I suppose is what we'd want. Although at 89... I don't know, man. At 89, I would just if I make it to 89, I would just be happy if I could get up to get a cup of coffee in the morning. If I would be able to get out of bed without breaking a hip, I would be just pleased as punch at that point. All right. Um, so still a lot of stuff to get into. We will do all of that. We have more to get to. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. <laughs> Now to break down tonight's Minnesota Twins game, here's Burt Flylevin. On Friday night, a two-run home run, two home runs for Rodriguez, and then the American League batting title. Joe Maurer, two for five so far in the series against uh, Jeter. We're going to do this thing over again because I just fucked it up. Well, we're live. I didn't know that. And Torrey Hunter has been huge for Minnesota. Showing signs of breaking out offensively with the bat. He had a big home run. Well, I'm sorry for that, but Torrey Hunter, he's been swinging a hot bat. They need his hot bat along with Justin Morneau. You're listening to a guy who should let out a few more F-bombs of his own. Hey, why not? If it gets you to the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, The Michael Groff Show. Inevitably, there are stories like this. A Connecticut school district is playing the politically correct card and canceling Halloween. 
This is just pretty much standard fare. Every October, we get stories like this where school districts everywhere decide that they're going to put the kibosh on Halloween and they're going to rename it something like Fall Festival because, well, Halloween is... I don't even know what why it's politically correct to you know, hate Halloween now, I guess because not every little special snowflake can afford a Halloween costume. And if you don't show up in a costume, you'll be ostracized by the fellow students. And, um, you won't be made to feel like the special snowflake that you are. Or if you are from a, uh, a home that is a, you know, Jehovah's witness or just doesn't want to participate or believe in Halloween and they think it's an evil devil's day or whatever, uh, then you shouldn't have to be forced into that. When I was a kid, if the Jehovah's Witness, the mandatory Jehovah's Witness that every class had, um, well, they just didn't participate and they just got to either go home or they just sat there and did their homework or whatever. And that was just how it was. We don't tailor make every single day on the calendar for every single person. Sometimes you just have to understand, this is part of what I was talking about yesterday. Life is inherently not fair, and it is inherently not always going to be catered specifically to you. Not everyone is created equal, and if your parents decide that they're going to be Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever they're going to be, uh, then there are just going to be certain times that you're not going to be able to participate. And this is every single year, and I know Fall Festival is more inclusive, but we know what Fall Festival is. And what's weird about the Fall festival, I do the air quotes right now, is that all these schools, they still have kids dress up in costumes. They just don't say the word Halloween. Like, how ridiculous is that? We did Christmas. We did Valentine's Day. We did, uh, you know, a celebration for Halloween. We did all Easter. We did all of that in, when I was in school. And you know what's weird is no one ever started crying about it um, you know, there were kids that just didn't get Valentine's. Uh, I always, I got like one. Well, I got like two. I got one from the teacher and I got one from like one random kid in class who just included everybody. So I was the unpopular kid. But you know what? I didn't go home and go, man, nobody likes me. I already knew nobody liked me and I didn't care that nobody liked me. I went to school. I got my ass kicked every day in grade school. And then I went home and that's pretty much that was pretty much my life. Go to school, get ass kicked, get sucker punched, kicked in the nuts, uh, get straight A's. And then my parents wonder why I was always, you know, quiet and sullen all the time. And I only played video games and I had like two friends. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm, that was my childhood. And you know what? No one ever, the, I mean, my parents went down there and yelled at him about, you know, getting beat up every day. But other than that, my parents never made a big deal about, oh, my kid doesn't get as many Valentines as everyone else. My kid doesn't get as much uh, candy as everyone else. Uh, I, you know, that never happened. It was, hey, my kid's coming home with bruises every day. That's happening. But it wasn't anything else. We, that's how it was. You know, that's just, that was school then. That's school now. That's society. You're not always, not everyone is always going to be included in everything. That's just how it is. It's the reality. Anyway, so kids don't feel left out. Uh, Milford public school officials have decided to ban Halloween parades, uh, costumes, everything else, all the, uh, all the festivities. But that's not the only change to the annual tradition. A letter sent home to families said that the district is not allowing students or staff to wear Halloween costumes during the day. Classrooms can only be decorated in fall themes, not Halloween. The letter stated that the controversial change uh, arose out of numerous incidents of children being excluded from activities due to religion, cultural beliefs, etc. Parents are not happy with the decision. Quote, I think it's crazy, Victoria Johansson, a mother of a third grader, said. Quote, I don't understand why other avenues weren't pursued. More than 350 people have signed a petition at change.org to have the school reinstate the festivities. Uh, quote, everything has gotten to the point where everything is so PC that kids are not allowed to have any fun anymore, Heather Sharp said. School district officials said that respecting the district's diversity is a key concern. 
So the diversity of people that want to celebrate Halloween, the the majority are being trumped by the very small minority. Now, there is an update on this story. So they had, they wound up having over 500, I guess, uh, signatures over there on that petition. And so many calls flooded into the school. And so many people complained that the school district actually went back and said, okay, okay, we'll do Halloween. Jesus Christ. All right. All right. Don't get your soccer mom SUVs all in an uproar over this, okay? We're good. We'll have Halloween. So the school district uh, decided to go back on this, but not before a lot of pressure. Um, I, I don't know, man. L- listen, I don't think it's really that big a deal. It really isn't. It's, it's, why can't we just do it? We've done it forever. It's okay. Yeah, some people probably are going to feel a little bit left out. That's just how it is. Guess what? When they grow up, when the special little snowflakes grow up and they go into an office environment... And, you know, person A throws a big football party and a whole bunch of people in the office are invited. But, you know, person person G is not invited. Well, you can't just go to HR and say, I wasn't invited to to, to Scott's uh, football party this weekend. You've got to do something about that. Because, you know, even HR, as crazy as HR usually is nowadays, they're going to say, yeah, tough. Probably because most of the HR people will be invited. They'll be like, well, you're not going to Scott's party? Actually, I know that how they handle that now is they just tell all these people, they say, hey, uh, don't don't go around the office inviting people do it off uh, during off hours or, you know, catch them out in the parking lot or something. Don't do it during work because uh, the unpopular Charlie over there in the corner is going to, uh, he's going to run to HR, he's going to run to us and complain. And, uh, and we don't want that. All right, so. All right, so that's uh, the latest on Halloween. But there are other schools. I know this because uh, I saw this starting. When I was in high school, this trend got, the ball started rolling like in the 90s. I think probably when I was in college. I know the ball was rolling then. That very slowly the, the political correctness was starting to seep in and Halloween and Christmas and Valentine's Day and Easter and all that kind of stuff, there was, it was all getting wiped out. And I understand, look, Easter, I know it's, it's a religious thing. I know Christmas is a, quote, religious thing, even though, quite frankly, there's almost nothing inherently religious about Christmas anymore. It is just a hallmark, gift-giving, social event that, oh, by the way, for some people has a religious undertone to it. But overall... There's very little religiosity in any of it. Just like Halloween is, it's, it's an evil pagan day. It's a, come on. It's Halloween, man. Can we just settle down? Can we turn the political correctness off just a little bit? It's just like how there's this thing about, oh, we have to say winter recess instead of Christmas or spring recess instead of Easter. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that says, there's an open war on Christmas and we're being persecuted as Christians and you can't even say Christmas anymore. I'm not one of those people. But I do know that there are people that look at you really cockeyed if you dare say Merry Christmas to them. And I just think maybe we could just kind of all chill out and just, hey, look, if you want to say Merry Christmas, it's fine. If you're so offended at the idea of somebody saying Merry Christmas to you, you have to look inside. You have to look at yourself at that point, man. That's just a little bit nuts. I'm offended that somebody said, I'm Jewish and you can't say Christmas to me. Come on, let's just stop, stop the nonsense. Um, a few other things. Uh, I still have, oh, yeah, a couple of the random sort of thoughts here. I know it goes back to the political arena. Uh, people message me sometimes and say, I, I don't really like politics or I'm not a political person, but I, I'm okay when you talk about it because you try to make it a little bit more fun and simple. And believe me, I'm a simple guy. I, I like things just to be as simple as possible because a lot of these issues are fairly complex and sometimes... I like to tear apart and deconstruct it and just sort of give you the nuts and bolts of it without all the superfluous details. But in this case, it's just, this is just a guy that's a real dumbass, Bobby Jindal. Now, I think, I don't even know where he is at this point. Uh, He is 
a guy that <laughs> talk about the guy at the kids table for the presidential uh, election. He really has absolutely no shot of ever getting anywhere. I don't think he's going to be relevant anytime soon in the Republican Party, 2016, 2020, 2024, whatever. Uh, I know that for a while there were people that were really latching onto that bandwagon, but the guy is just stupid. And unlike someone like me who will just say, oh man, I, I really flubbed yesterday when I said Middletown instead of Newtown, or I really screwed up when I said this instead of that. This guy can never admit when he's made an error. He was on with ABC's Martha Raddatz the other day, and he was talking about how, maybe I should just play the clip, but he was talking about how uh, there's his strategy for handling the situation in Syria and ISIS is to institute a no-fly zone. And Martha Raddatz very accurately and very poignantly noted that Syria or that ISIS doesn't have aircraft now, it's it's part of a whole long clip. It's The clip is like four minutes, but you really should hang with it just because it is. this is a guy that wants to be president of the United States. This is a guy that was governor. This is a guy that's um, considered to be an up-and-comer in the future for the Republican Party. And he is just destroyed at every turn by Martha Raddatz. And she's not even really trying to destroy him. She's just asking him questions, and he doesn't really answer well, and he's, well, again, a complete dumbass, as you'll hear here. I, I want to turn to the 2016 race and your race, where you stand on certain issues. You were a supporter of training Syrian rebels. That has been a complete failure. They're, they're not going to do that anyway, the Obama, <laughs> anymore. The Obama administration said, essentially, that it wasn't working. So what would work? So already, she's fired in a salvo saying, listen, you've supported a program that has been a complete disaster. It's a failure. How, I mean, essentially implying how can we really trust anything that you say, you dumbass, without actually saying that. She, she handles this very brilliantly. Anyway, let's continue. Well, Martha, look, bad policy, bad leadership leads to bad options. The reality is they dithered, they waited so long that we've got fewer good options. If they had aggressively trained those rebels in the beginning, if they had armed and trained the Kurds, we'd be in a different place. You wouldn't have Putin and Assad working with Hezbollah and Iran. What will work today but is how we do, do you need train, to train How do you Kurds. train rebels who were there to fight Assad to suddenly want to fight ISIS? That's the main problem with those Syrian rebels. Well, no, yeah. Martha. In other words, Martha, how, do you, how do you train people that we can't necessarily, you know, they're going to fight against one person, but how do you, how are you going to trust them? How do you know that they're not just going to turn around and help the terrorists? You dummy. Um, again, Martha's not saying you dummy, but you can tell just by the look on her face. She's like, how am, why am I talking to this douche? Kurdish rebels, the Kurdish forces have been very effective at fighting ISIS and Kobani in Iraq and elsewhere, but we're not providing them with modern arms. We're insisting on going through the Baghdad government. So the Kurds have been a very effective force. Secondly, we need to enforce that oh, no-fly. Yeah. We need to create a no-fly zone working with our Turkish and other allies. Here we go. Our Sunni allies want to do more, but they're not going to go after ISIS if that merely leaves Assad but, in but, power. But they don't want Assad let, in power. Talk, let's want. talk about let's talk about a no-fly zone. ISIS doesn't have aircraft, so what <laughs> would that no-fly zone really accomplish? When is it really worth? Well, it accomplishes you a dummy. couple things. It accomplishes a couple of things, Martha. One, it helps. It accomplishes a couple of things. First of all, it shows off that we can institute a no-fly zone where there's. I just. <laughs> I'm so he's just so stupid. It's amazing. He is really the region, so you don't have all these refugees flooding into Europe and, and trying to leave the country. Secondly, it gives us space for moderates, for Kurds, and others to group and, and to plan attacks against ISIS, against Assad. Third, it keeps Russia from bombing our allies, the folks that we're working with. It also shows our Sunni allies in the region that we're serious about winning this. We're here because this president drew a red line, didn't enforce it. We're here because this president's put political handcuffs on the military won't let them go after well, let, ISIS let's, and get let's the job talk done. About, let's talk we're, about we're ground gonna, troops. That that certainly would help any sort of no-fly zone. You're not going to have them there, those ground troops. Would you send in, and how many 
approximately troops into Syria. U.S. troops. Well, look, Martha, I don't think you think take Martha, any Martha, option Martha. off the table. If the military says we need ground troops to wipe out ISIS, we've got to be, as a commander-in-chief, you've got to... In other words, I really, Martha, I I don't really have an answer for you. I just know the president's screwed this up. Syria is one area where I guess I can sort of say the president hasn't really screwed up that much because we really haven't done a whole lot over there. I think ISIS has come about because of bad U.S. policy, but not just not from this president, but just in general, just our policy breeds this kind of toxic nature in the Middle East. And Bobby Jindal can't bear to deal with that. He just wants to blame Obama for everything. And believe me, Obama has had terrible foreign policy. Terrible. But this is not one where you can pin it all on him, I'm afraid. Be open to that option. The reality is this president instead went to the Pentagon and said, well, we're going to have to change hearts and minds. This will So the question, incidentally, was how many troops would you send over there? And he still hasn't answered. Like a generation. We can't beat ISIS with guns. Martha, that's nonsense. These are radical Islamic terrorists that are burning people alive, crucifying, killing Christians and other religious minorities. We can't negotiate them with them. we got to hunt them down and kill them before they attack us here. So You, you, don't, you don't think that's what they're oh, doing? That, that tired rhetoric of, we got to kill them over there before they come and get us here. Okay, dude. All right. Now okay. we've had thousands and thousands of airstrikes. ISIS is not a traditional army. The reason, and I've been out on an aircraft carrier, I have seen those jets coming back with their bombs still attached because they can't drop bombs in congested areas. They can't risk killing innocent civilians in those areas. So even though you may want to go after it in a much fuller way, how do you do that with that kind of group? Martha, I don't think we've fought this war. No, I disagree. I think if this president were serious, we could wipe them out. I think that the reality is he is discouraged. You've seen the Kurds been effective. You've seen Turkey and other allies want to do more. But they're worried that if they if they go out and take out ISIS and Assad remains in power, it empowers a Shia power in Iran. They don't want to do that. I think there are more things we could be doing. I think our military could be much more effective. I think they've got political handcuffs on them. There makes no so sense. So basically, she asked him... Uh, so they're not, you know, this is a terrorist group. It's not a traditional army. We can't just fight them with bombs. What would you do? Well, we, we obviously, uh, we, we are doing, uh, what we can and, uh, we just need to take the political handcuffs off. Well, that doesn't answer the question. What would you actually do? What specifically would you do? It's since bombs aren't really working. He's like, well, we'll just have the Kurds do it. And, and the, and Turkey, they want to help us out. And, and he doesn't have any answers whatsoever. He's just repeating the same talking point bullcrap rhetoric of, well, this president's not allowing us to do stuff. Okay, what would you do? Well, this president just won't allow us to do anything. You got to take the political handcuffs off. What does that mean? Well, this, the president isn't allowing us to do anything. It's a stuck record. I mean, this guy is, he is completely flummoxed by Martha Raddatz. He has no idea. And the reason he has no idea is because he's a complete dumbass. And again, I am not defending Obama's foreign policy, but the reality is, unless he got a better idea, and my idea is the greatest idea, my idea is, and the idea of Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders and a few other guys is, hey, let's just not mess with it at all. Let's leave. Get out. But no, he's like, we got to fight them over there. That's the same bull crap that we've heard forever. We got to fight them over there so they don't come here. Okay. And how's that working out? How's the let's fight them over there so they don't come here? You know, they're gaining power. They're gaining strength. Well, because we won't, we won't take the political handcuffs off, Martha. I, 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 that's the only question. That's the only answer I've got for any question uh, that you have. Um... Let me ask you something, Bob. Uh, Mr. Jindal, um, do you know what time it is? We've got to take the political handcuffs off. For us to insist that everything has to go through the central government in Baghdad when we've got Sunni tribes and Kurdish allies on the ground. Okay, Governor. been effective before, can be effective again. He has no idea how to answer any of those questions. And that clip is golden because it shows you once again that people like that are using the strategies of the early 20th century military, and that is, you know, use a traditional army to fight a 21st century war. You're fighting 
a, you're fighting a military war against an idea. That's the thing. If you were fighting an army, if you were fighting an established country, then sure, we can blow them out of the water with our military. But you're fighting against an idea. You're fighting against a culture. You're fighting against a, a, a sort of a, a, an ingrained thing. And again, an idea, a, a society. You can't use bombs to fight against that. Oh, sure, you can capture the stray a terrorist that's out in the open that's fighting there that's got a gun or a bomb strapped to him maybe but you're not going to fight against an idea with bombs in fact if anything you may wind up inflaming the situation and making it worse but trying to explain that to guys like Bobby Jindal we need a no-fly zone they don't have any aircraft dude well we need it anyway because it shows that we're committed to fighting this thing no it shows that yeah we might be committed to fighting it but it shows that we have absolutely no idea what we're doing you can be committed to doing something, but if you have no idea what to do and how to do it, what good is the commitment? All it shows is, hey, we're committed to being really stupid. We're committing to not knowing what to do in this region. We're committing to not having any idea how to solve a problem. Hey, look, rest of the world, we're still completely ignorant. We're still just firing bombs at everything. Really wonder where are the stereotypes about America and just, you know, being a bunch of cowboys and renegades and all that comes from. I can't imagine it. Maybe it's guys like uh, Bobby Jindal. Maybe. <laughs> Good Christ. So I know uh, Playboy had the dumbass uh, of the week and maybe um, Bobby Jindal gets uh, runner up or maybe he's the dumbass. I don't know. Maybe we should um, maybe we should have multiple awards. In the arena of politics, the award goes to... Yeah, the nominees are Donald Trump, Ben Carson, uh, Hillary Clinton, and Bobby Jindal. And the winner, Bobby Jindal, <laughs> with his, for his interview with Martha Raddatz of ABC. Oh, I am... <laughs> this stuff, you can't make this kind of stuff up. You really can't. What an idiot. Um, I, oh, one more thing before we go to break. Uh, Rand Paul has weighed in on Bernie Sanders. Uh, there's been a Rand Paul sighting. Basically, he has become extremely obscure. Nobody is really talking to him because people basically feel he has absolutely no shot of doing anything. And he's essentially a libertarian running on the Republican ticket. So no one wants to even acknowledge that he exists. And uh, frankly, I don't. Uh, a lot of the stuff that he says, some of it I agree with, some of it is frightening. Uh, he's kind of a dumbass anyway. Uh, I don't even know if he's a real doctor. There's that too, or how extensive his doctoral uh, education really is. But that's a topic for another day. He commented on Bernie Sanders, and this is, I mean, this is food for thought. And so finally there was a Rand Paul sighting, and this is his uh, commentary on Bernie. What do you make of Bernie Sanders, his policies, the things he espouses? Do you find more common ground with him than you would a Hillary Clinton? I think it's very important for Americans not to succumb to the notion that there's anything sexy or cool about socialism. Uh, Bernie's a socialist, and ultimately socialism uh, relies on force or implied force. And it's, you know, it wasn't an accident that Stalin killed millions of people or that Mao Zedong killed millions of people, because if you want to control the economy and you want to control ownership of things by the state, you have to forbid other people from uh, owning parts of the economy or controlling parts of the economy. So uh, I think it's really important that people understand that there is no free lunch. Uh, when Bernie offers you something for free, he's got to take it from somebody else first. And that all they're doing is obscuring who pays for it. But ultimately, someone has to pay for things. And so if you want free college for those who goes to college, those who don't go to college and work will be paying for your college. Um, so nothing's really on the surface. Uh, what appears to be free isn't free. So there you go. Um, Rand Paul comparing Bernie Sanders and his ideas to Mao Zedong and uh, uh, <laughs> Stalin. Look, I'm, I'm against socialism as much as the next guy. And it is true that there is no such thing as a free lunch. And whenever you have these social programs that you want to institute, somebody ultimately has to pay for it. And you can't just... You can't just institute government programs without either making cuts in the budget or raising taxes or coming up with a way to... I mean, you're going to have to get the money from someplace. 
The old, what's the old, I, I think it's Margaret Thatcher that said, uh, the problem, is socialism works until the rich people run out of money. I think it's something like that. And that's pretty much the deal. And Bernie Sanders definitely has some ideas. And some of the things he says are, are, are great. And I agree with them on principle. Uh, I do think that we need a, a, an education. We need a, a great uh, rework a great overhaul of the infrastructure of our education system here in this country. And I do think that we need to get out of Iraq and Afghanistan and all this other stuff. And, I, you know, so we, he says stuff that sounds great. Um, but when it comes to education for everybody and when it comes to health care for everybody and when it comes to these programs he wants to institute, uh, the one part of what Rand Paul is getting at is there is no such thing as a free lunch and you have to get the money from someplace. And look, if if he's if his idea is let's let's slash a bunch of money from the military budget, yeah, all right. And if his idea is, hey, let's uh, raise some taxes, well, I mean, that's probably what you're going to have to do. The only way you're going to be able to pay for those programs is you've got to raise taxes. You would have to tax uh, people at a pretty alarming rate in order to fund some of those programs that you want to have. I mean, if you want everybody to be able to go to college, which, I mean, again, sounds great, but you're going to have to be able to come up with the money from somewhere. So Rand Paul chiming in on Bernie Sanders. And uh, Bernie is eventually going to, I'm sure he'll have a response or We'll hear about it all tonight uh, at the Democrat debate, which I'm very interested in seeing. I want to see. I, I really do want to see Bernie Sanders destroy Hillary Clinton. I want to see everybody destroy Hillary Clinton. I want somebody to actually kind of have the balls to go up there and just deconstruct her for all that she's worth. And hopefully somebody will do that tonight. I'm looking forward to that. Um... Yeah, and, and there is another dumbass that I forgot to include in the uh, in the nominees as well. We'll we'll have to get to that after the break. It's another political figure. This story is a little bit older, but I think it's still good. There's uh, kind of a new twist to it as well. So we'll get into that and more. Yeah, there's still a lot to talk about. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Zip Code Famous. Hey, that's quite a voice you've got there. You ever think about doing radio? Michael Groff Show. Famous Michael Graff show on a Tuesday, October 13th, 2015. Graff show at gmail.com. That is our email address for this program. Graff show, gmail.com. Michael Graff, the handle on Twitter, and michaelgraff.com for everything that was, is, and will ever be Michael Graff. Also, GroffShow at gmail.com is our PayPal address for your generous contributions to this show because, well, you know you want to. Really, if you're listening to this show and not donating, you're kind of stealing. You really are. You're, you're sort of, you're listening to this material and you're just not helping out a poor, suffering radio host. And really, in this era of Bernie Sanders and upcoming socialism, why not? Why don't I get my piece? you'll donate to Bernie Sanders, you donate to me. If you'll donate to Republicans, you've got to donate to me. Right? Right? All right. I mentioned there was another nominee for the uh, Dumbass Award because there's just so many dumbasses right now. We can't hide what we 
And it's it's weird because Donald Trump really isn't on this list today. Uh, there's there's just dumber people. Now this story is a little bit old. You've heard at least part of it before. So Pope Francis was here. He was uh, touring around the country. And while he made a speech to Congress a couple of weeks ago, after his speech was over, when he was, you know, he was standing up at the lectern there at the podium, he was uh, delivering a speech to Congress afterwards. Uh, he left his glass of water up there. And one of the congressmen went by and swiped it. He took the glass. The Pope had only taken like a sip of water out of the glass. So uh, Congressman Bob Brady took the glass. Uh, he took a sip for himself. He's keeping the glass. He's sharing a, a drink with his staffers. He shared a drink uh, with his family. And then he plans to sprinkle the remaining water on his children. I don't know why. I guess if the Pope drank out of it, then that must mean that it's, uh, well, that must mean that it's blessed, it's holy, and uh, all the water that touches the Pope is therefore, uh, I, I don't know, I guess it's magical. I don't know how that works. I, I don't know my sky wizard theology, so forgive me. I don't understand. But he thinks it's awesome, so he took it. Then, shortly thereafter, <laughs> the the story, of course, comes comes out and everybody's having fun with it. Stephen Colbert, who's recently taken over for David Letterman, he takes some swipes. <laughs> at uh, Bob Brady and Bob Brady is approached about it and he, he says um, you know, people say uh, well, what do you think what do you think of Stephen Colbert ribbing you for this uh, and he says this is the part that's the dumbass part not even the fact that he stole the water not even well took the water I, I don't know he can't really steal it I guess the Pope left it there anyway not even the fact that he took the water this is the part that makes him the dumbass he says, this is a congressman, mind you. Congressman Bob Brady says, quote, F. Stephen Colbert. He, of course, says the whole word. And he says, I could care less. Now, forgive me for being a grammar Nazi, but when people say, I could care less, what they actually mean is, I couldn't care less. Because if you say, I could care less, it means that you have the, the capacity in which to actually care less. Which means you currently care, and you could actually care less. What you mean to say is that you couldn't care less, meaning that you don't have any care for this story. Because there is no care within you. You couldn't possibly have less care to offer. Anyway, I hate when people say, I could care less when they actually mean I couldn't care less. It's uh, one of those things. It's a, forgive me, it's a grammar Nazi thing, but I would expect that our congressmen have slightly better grammar, slightly better linguistic skills than that. And of course, the, the F. Stephen Colbert part. <laughs> Look, I mean, everybody's taking a shot at you because, well, quite frankly, you are a dumbass. You took uh, the water that the Pope, the water glass the Pope drank out of, and somehow you think it's like magical. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff. All right, whatever. Uh, oh, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, there's a report out. Let me see if I can find uh, where this is from. This is from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And this is a very important report. I hope you're sitting down for this because this, this is monumental. I'm sure many of you didn't know this. All right, here we go. Are you ready? All right, hold on. Just I'm going to give you a second to prepare for this. Here we go. <clears throat> According to this study, the United States is has the most obese population in the world. Yes, USA. All right, we are we are number one again in terms of obesity. Uh, we are in fact the fattest. We also lead uh, the rest of the Americas, Europe, and Asia in terms of uh, poor teenage health. So we lead in that category. We also, uh, what else? Oh, we're, we're lagging behind in education. That's a big surprise. I know that, again, more stunning details there. And here's something, though. We can really hang our hat on this one. We do lead the world, oh, uh, in homes uh, like uh, the in terms of wealth and uh, the number of rooms in our homes there you go so we shine in that department we also excel in number of murders and assaults so the USA is really top of the charts in this 
this report from, what is this again? This is from the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So take, take pride, citizens of the United States. We are, in fact, number one in many important statistical categories. Murders, assaults, fat people. But we're also wealthy, and we also have really nice houses compared to the rest of the world, which isn't saying much because a lot of those uh, Latin American countries have homes that are up on sticks, and when anything stronger than about a 23-mile-an-hour wind comes along, it knocks them all over. But we have better homes than you. Yeah, we may be fat. Yeah, we may be stupid. But we're wealthier than you are. And our our houses sure is nicer. We got them fang dangled foyers in our house. <laughs> we got chandeliers. You got nothing. They obviously haven't seen the houses in Mississippi. The double wides. I guess that's better than a lot of stuff still that's in Ecuador. So why not? All right, that's it. We will be back for another episode of this uh, program, I guess, tomorrow. Break down the debate and whatever you want to talk about, too, because you can get in contact with this program. Groffshow at gmail.com. That's our email address. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is also the PayPal address for this show. Donate, please. Thank you. Uh, Michael Groff on Twitter. MichaelGroff.com for everything Michael Groff related. Thanks so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Always be sure to leave your feedback on michaelgroff.com. That really helps out, too. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.